Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's news team, Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Fergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez and here is your local news rundown. Do you know what housing programs you qualify for? Residents of Kingston and Frontenac County are invited to apply for three programs aimed at helping make home ownership more affordable. You can become a homeowner with the down payment assistance from the Home Ownership Program. You can also improve the accessibility of your home or complete urgent repairs with support from the Kingston Frontenac Renovates Program. Or you can add a secondary suite with the Second Residential Unit Affordable Housing Grant Program, which is available for Kingston residents only. The Home Ownership Program helps Kingston and County of Frontenac renters with low to moderate incomes purchase a home by offering down payment assistance up to a maximum of 10% off the original purchase price. Eligible program participants must be currently renting a self-contained dwelling unit that will be re-rented following the purchase of a home. Kingston Frontenac Renovates program offers low to moderate income homeowners up to $15,000 for emergency repairs and renovations that make their home accessible. Eligible repairs may include but are not limited to furnace or window replacement, roof repair or replacement and accessibility ramp or lift installations. And then there's a secondential residential unit affordable housing grant program. The second residential unit affordable housing grant program provides a forgivable loan of the lesser of $15,000 or 75% of the costs associated with developing a second residential unit. Ruth Nordergraf, Director of Housing and Social Services, says in addition to the city's ongoing work to alleviate homelessness and the development of new affordable housing, the affordable housing programs available to homeowners and prospective homeowners demonstrates the broad range of housing programs available in the community. Homeowners or soon-to-be homeowners can find eligibility criteria and application forms for the programs at cityofkingston.ca slash housing. Kingston Frontenac Renovates and Secondary Suite applications are now being accepted and home ownerships applications will be accepted starting March 15th. Funding is awarded on a first-come, first-served basis and applications may be submitted by mail to the City of Kingston, Housing and Social Services at 362 Montreal Street or in person to the main reception on the second floor at 362 Mo- Montreal Street. You can email any questions that you have to housing at City of Kingston or call 613-546-2695 extension 4949. In recent months, the City of Kingston has made significant efforts and progress in adding more low-barrier shelter options. The additions come as a result of engagement with encampment residents living in the areas of Bell Park and the Integrated Care Hub and collaboration with multiple organizations and expectation of the people remaining in encampments leaving over the next two weeks. Lainey Hurdle, the city's chief administrative officer, says ensuring there are more low-barrier shelter options has led to fewer people residing in the encampment. More than 50 spaces were added at new shelter locations in January, and there are now spaces to accommodate different needs, including couples, women only, people with pets, and a wide range of support services, including meals and mental health supports and storage where people can safely leave their belongings, as well as transit assistance, so people can continue accessing consumption treatment and other important services. Services. A low barrier shelter generally means requirements for entry are limited or minimal for the people who wish to stay there. Even though there has been a migration from the encampment into low barrier shelters, the system still has capacity to serve more people. City staff and partners will work on facilitating the relocation of remaining encampment residents as previously directed by City Council, a motion approved at the January 10th, 2023 Council meeting. The City's approach continues to be one of empathy, taking into consideration the complexity of needs for all those involved and not just those currently staying in the encampment, but for near neighbors and the community overall.
For the past few years, community-wide partners have worked in conjunction with outreach staff and service providers to conduct ongoing needs assessments so people camping in public spaces can gain access to safer and healthier alternatives, including support services and shelter, with the ultimate goal of establishing a transition plan to secure permanent housing. The City is working in accordance with the January 27, 2023 Ontario Superior Court of Justice decision related to homeless encampments in Ontario. In the regional municipality of Waterloo v. Persons Unknown and to be ascertained, the court denied the municipality's application for injunctive relief to clear a homeless encampment. The court noted in its reasoning that municipalities must not only create an adequate number of shelter spaces, but they must also create spaces that are truly low barrier and accessible based on the diverse needs of those living in encampments. The City of Kingston offers a variety of low barrier and accessible shelter options that are informed by its ongoing engagement with the encampment residents. This continues to be a complex issue that requires a multi-level government response and a more coordinated, humane approach, including provincial health care investment to address the complexity of mental health and addictions needs, says Kingston's Mayor Brian Patterson. Without that critical component, people aren't getting the right support they need to live more sustainable lives, he continues to say. The city does remain committed to addressing the homelessness crisis. As a service manager for housing and homelessness programs for the Kingston and Frontenac area, the city operates under a housing first model that delivers a framework to offer more intensive supports. The housing first approach provides access to permanent housing with supports that assists individuals in obtaining and retaining housing. The city has leveraged municipal, provincial and federal funding to create more than 490 affordable rental housing units and continues to work with partners to create new affordable units and congregate living facilities through the Rapid Housing Initiative funding. This federal investment has supported the creation of 21 new rental units and 26 new transitional housing beds in congregate living facilities for a total of 47 new affordable units with an estimated minimum of 25 new units still to come. You can visit cityofkingston.ca for more information about housing and homelessness. There are, however, many emergency shelters and resources and drop-in services that are available to people. There's the Adelaide Drop-In, the Concession Seat Strength, the Concession Street Centre, In From the Cold Emergency Shelter, the Kingston Youth Shelter, Lily's Place, and St. Mary's Drop-In Centre. Other drop-in services include the Integrated Care Hub, the Salvation Army Drop-In, and the One Roof Youth Drop-In Daytime Services. Transitional housing that exists here in Kingston is Dawn House, Interval House, TP Moza, and Ryandale. The city's housing and social services office at 362 Montreal Street has additional secure storage available. Individuals can then store a tote bin on site and access their belongings during agreed upon hours. Items can be stored for up to 60 days and longer if a client contacts the city to extend the time. All locations have staff who can coordinate referrals to a variety of supports, including housing services and more. Home-based housing street outreach team regularly checks on known individuals experiencing homelessness. If you are experiencing homelessness or are concerned about a person in of help, please call 613-542-6672, extension 130. If you or someone you know is in distress, you can call the Addiction and Mental Health KFLNA 24-7 Crisis Line at 613-544-4229 or toll-free at 1-866-616-6005. If it is an emergency, please call 911. That's it for your local news rundown. If you ever have a news update you'd like to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Now, let's throw it over to Erica Singh with Campus Corner. Thank you. My name is Erica Singh, and this is Campus Corner on CFRC. Here are some campus news headlines. 
Residence Dons have voted in favor of unionizing with the United Steel Workers with a 73% majority. Approximately 80% of all Residence Dons cast their ballot. Following the results, Dons are now waiting for formal certification to become members of the USW Union. However, the university is contesting the vote due to an alleged conflict of interest. While the university has not commented on the alleged conflict, all Don team meetings have been cancelled. Dons are currently waiting for certification from the Ontario Labour Board. Until then, all donning contracts are frozen and no changes can be made to Don's employment. There are concerns among returning Dons for that their contracts for the 2023 to 2024 year may be rescinded, but the exact process of rehiring is not transparent. However, returning Dons cannot be fired for organizing. Earlier, a group of anonymous residents Don had sent anti-unionizing emails, which created anxiety among the Dons supporting unionizing. In other news, Patrick Dean has been reappointed as the Principal and Vice-Chancellor of Queen's for a second term, beginning July 2024 until June 2029. The decision follows a recommendation of the Board Senate Principalship Review Committee after consultation with the campus community and external stakeholders. During his first term, Dean successfully led the university's COVID-19 response initiated major equity, diversity, and inclusion initiatives, and increased the institution's international profile. He has also created university-wide strategies aimed at boosting research, student learning, and global impact. Next, four students have been named recipients of the prestigious Agnes Benedictson Tricolor Award for 2023. Laura Devaney, Samara Lujum, Jane Mao, and Nishan Ramsevak were recognized for their exceptional service, leadership, character, and community impact. Deveni, a political studies major, has held various leadership roles within the Alma Mater Society, or AMS, and helped create a more accessible and engaging student government. Lijam, the president of the Queen's Student Alumni Association, has been involved in advocating for equity and social change through various campus organizations. Mao, a Master of Education candidate, has created spaces of joy for marginalized students and founded the Gender Affirming Assistance Program. Ram Sevak, a fourth-year civil engineering PhD candidate, has contributed to equity, diversity, and inclusivity on campus and founded a charity drive called Helping Handbags Kingston. The Tricolor Award is one of the most prestigious student honors at Queen's given annually by the Office of the Rector to students who have made a valued and distinguished contribution to the university community. The four recipients will be inducted into the Tricolor Society during a ceremony on June 17th. That's all for Campus News today. Thank you so much for listening and now over to Zaina Vergara with sports. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara, and it's time for your CFRC Sports Update. First, Queen's University and U Sports had a press release at Richardson Stadium last Thursday. Here's the statement made by Lizette Johnson-Stapley, U Sports Chief Sport Officer. Today, we are thrilled to ensure we maintain and strengthen our leadership in the sport of football throughout Canadian communities by announcing 
that the 58th and the 59th Vanny Cups will be held right here at Richardson Stadium in Kingston, Ontario in November. That's right, you just heard that the 58th and 59th edition of the Vanier Cup will be held at Richardson Stadium in 2023 and 2024. The 2023 championship is the first Vanier Cup to come to Kingston and the third time a Canadian University football title game is played in the city. Dating back to the 1920 and the 1929 Canadian Intercollegiate Rugby Football Union, Kingston is the eighth city to host the championship since its inception in 1965, with Toronto hosting on 41 occasions, Quebec City seven times, Hamilton five, and once in London, Montreal, Saskatoon, and Vancouver. You can stay tuned as both Vanier Cups as well as the entirety of the football season will be broadcast live here on CFRC by myself, Jesse Bell, and Jordan Dax. On Sunday, Jesse and I had the opportunity to attend the Queen's football's golden game to see the new recruits and the progress the football team has made throughout the year. After the practice, I had the opportunity to talk with head coach Steve Snyder. Here's my interview. All right, coach, can you talk a little bit about practice today? What does it mean to have the fans out here? Yeah, we had our spring game, the gold game today at Richardson, and we had a great turnout. There must have been maybe close to 200 people here, a lot of fans, season ticket holders, alumni and parents and things like that. And some of the students were out as well, which is awesome. But uh, just a great day, giving the guys like a game day feel um, and doing some live tackling and getting a lot of kicking in and things like that. So um, a lot of our you know twos and threes uh, were able to get some quality work and um, good reps for the quarterbacks. We had two quarterbacks repping today, so it was, it was just overall a good day. Right, can you give me a little bit of a timeline for the summer up until uh, boot camp? Yeah, so we've got two more spring practices this week, um, and then and then we'll shut it down and get the guys ready for exams, um, and then we'll start our uh, you know our speed and weightlifting and all our you know on field stuff back essentially May first, um, which is uh, also kind of a busy week leading up. We got the East West Bowl early in the in the in the month there. That first second week of, of May it gets busy for for some of the guys uh, that are able to go and get an evaluation for pro football in that kind of national all star game. So we're excited for the guys that are going to that but um, a lot of running these guys will be doing a lot of running and a lot of lifting throughout the summer and I think there will be a good group staying back in Kingston. Thank you very much coach. Okay thank you. Lots to look forward to in the football world in the upcoming months but on that note that's all for your CFRC sports update. Now over to Chris Laurie with a community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. The Kingston Frontenac Public Library has just announced a new upcoming author talk. Discover Canada's tragic past with author and historian Michael Dupuis' Halifax Explosion talk. The Halifax Explosion was one of the deadliest maritime disasters in history, killing thousands and causing widespread devastation. Its impact on Canadian history and the resilience of its people in the face of tragedy make it a story that is both poignant and relevant today, and a story that will be brought to life by author, historian, and former educator Michael Dupuis in an upcoming presentation. 2,000 people died and 6,000 were left without homes when a munition ship, the Mont Blanc, exploded in Halifax Harbor on December 6, 1917. Dupuis' book, Bearing Witness, Journalists, Record Keepers, and the 1917 Halifax Explosion, tells the story of the disaster through eyewitness accounts. The event takes place from 2 to 3.30 p.m. on April 15th at the Isabel Turner Branch. 
Registration is required to attend and can be completed at calendar.kfpl.ca slash event or by calling 613-549-8888. Through the words of those who were there, Michael Dupuis will bring to life the events of the Halifax explosion and give us perspective on how it fits into our larger history, said Jake Miller, librarian, adult programming. Michael will discuss how and why certain aspects were reported or emphasized and share fresh insight into this pivotal event. As a historian, Dupuy has extensively researched Canadian media and labor history. His next talk with KFPL is about the Winnipeg general strike on April 22nd at 2 p.m., and you can learn more about that at calendar.kfpl.ca. Sounding Board, a community conversation, a piece by local artist Heather Poachman in collaboration with many other artists, is on the move. Sounding Board started on December 9th with an opening exhibition at the Kingston School of Art and has been traveling around Kingston and is ready to take on a new location. On April 3rd, they'll be moving to the Tet Center for Creativity and Learning at 370 King Street until the 28th of April. Sounding Board is a project which requires public interaction with the artwork. Exhibition attendees are encouraged to leave contributions of their own directly on the artwork using pushpins. Examples of contributions include favorite recipes, poems, stories, photographs, drawings, news clippings, posters, ticket stubs, and more. To leave your own contribution to this piece and to see all the contributions it's collected since its tour started in December, again, you can head to the Tet Center for Creativity and Learning at 370 King Street until the 28th of April. Another way you can support Sounding Board is by giving a donation. They've partnered with local nonprofit organization, the Kingston School of Art, to collect tax-deductible donations for this project. Please write Sounding Board in the private message box when submitting your donation through the form, which you can find on their website, rubyartist.com, under Sounding Board. After April 28th, the project will move back to the Kingston School of Art until the end of May. In its last month, it'll be at the Kingston School of Art for folks to view and contribute to until its closing exhibition from 6 to 8 p.m. on May 27th, 2023 at 647A Princess Street. Once again, that's the Kingston School of Art. So be sure to visit this piece before the end of its tour in May and come see the final product at the end of May. That's all for your community update this week, and next up is Mary with the weather. Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your CFRC weather report. Our Monday night will be cloudy, with a 40% chance of showers overnight. Winds will be out of the southwest at 30 kilometers per hour, but will become lighter into the evening. We reach a low of plus 4. Tuesday morning will be cloudy, with a 40% chance of showers. We will reach a high of plus 7 by the afternoon. Tuesday evening will remain cloudy, with a 60% chance of showers and a low of plus 3. This is Chris coming in with your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Reduced load restrictions are in effect in Kingston. Heavy trucks and loads are restricted on city roads where posted until April 30th. These restrictions help reduce damage to the roads in the spring. Public Services and Procurement Canada wishes to advise motorists of alternating lane closure on the LaSalle Causeway Bridge for emergency repair work during the following periods, Wednesday, April 5th from 9.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. During this period, one lane will be closed and one lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Two flag persons will be on site to direct traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. As for road closures, Lower Brewer's Swing Bridge is closed until further noticed. Parks Canada is continuing its efforts to replace the bridge over the winter. University Avenue, Union to Earl, is closed until April 31st at 7 p.m. for the removal of debris from demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's University JDUP project.
Wright Crescent, south intersection of Palace and 16 Palace, is closed until October 31st, 2023 for construction staging from 11 Wright Crescent. Please note that access to Wright Crescent will be through the north intersection of Wright Crescent at Palace Road. The Chown Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project is now underway. The work will take place throughout all levels of the building and will include efforts such as routine structural maintenance, renewal of waterproofing materials, and upgrades to the building's mechanical and electrical system. The work is expected to conclude in late December. The work will be completed in phases to allow the building to remain open to public parking for the duration of the project. Phased work areas will occupy a maximum of 33% of the available parking stalls at a time. Up to 150 spaces will be out of commission. There's parking availability at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east. In other delays, Highway 33, east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, expect delays due to construction to improve drainage. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Ontario Street at Gore, expect lane closure April 3rd and 4th from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day for crews to facilitate the daylighting of buried infrastructure for Utilities Kingston. That's it for your weekly traffic report, and next up is Mary with the events calendar. Thank you so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. This week, I'm doing a special feature of certain arts events in the city, starting with a screening and workshop for Open Secret. Open Secret is an art series that showcases the works of various artists, notably Sofia Galicia Moriente, with the purpose of exploring how poetry encourages us to, quote, get together and do stuff in the open, in secret. This Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m., Open Secret will be screened and have a conversation panel with the artists at The Screening Room, located at 120 Princess Street, which is free and open to the public. This Thursday from 3.30 to 6.30 p.m., Open Secret will have a free workshop with artists for students only, which is at the Agnes Etherington Arts Center, located at 36 University Avenue. Registration is required for both the screening and workshop, so head over to agnes.queensu.ca slash participate for more information. Another great event happening this Wednesday is Alepalooza. Hosted at the Alehouse and Canteen, which is at 393 Princess Street, Alepalooza is presented by local bands Rooftop Caravan, Girl Dad the Band, and Kings of Queens to showcase an unforgettable night of hard-hitting rock and funk. Doors open at 8pm, and the show begins at 8.45pm, so make sure to grab your $10 tickets online at ticketscene.ca slash events. Another great event happening on Thursday is a special screening of Boy at the Screening Room, located at 120 Princess Street. Boy is directed by Taikia Waititi, also known for cinematic greats like Jojo Rabbit, and tells the story of an 11-year-old called Boy, who uncovers the truth about his absent father, who has come to find a buried fortune at Boy's home in Wahoo Bay, New Zealand. This screening is a part of the BIPOC Movie Night series, organized by BIPOC Talk from the Peer Support Center at Queen's University. The movie starts at 6pm and admission is only $5 for students, so check out screeningroomkingston.com to learn more. This Friday is Good Friday, so be aware that certain services across the city may not be open. One service that will be open is the mansion, located at 506 Princess Street, for the African and Caribbean Student Association's Culture After Show Party. This event is titled Wildside to celebrate the ACSA's Natural Instinct Culture Show that was held last Sunday. The Wildside Party starts at 10pm, with $5 early bird tickets available online at eventbrite.ca. General admission tickets are also available for $10. Make sure to dress in animal or floral print for the occasion. 
I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.